will open in the iron fire bramble first thing in the morning with the smell of breakfast wafting up the stairs. The autumn, although it was lovely, has been pricey. Lost Acre still belongs to Arabet because you haven't lost an inch of it. But it's been months and you are very, very tired. Delilah's good host protocols have fallen off slightly. It's the smell of breakfast that wakes her up and sends her downstairs towards Shakir and delicious food. Thankfully, Shakir has been a godsend. I mean, not that you can't handle the things yourself, but with Ursa missing and uh, Luca gone highbrow with it, you're a little short-handed, so good to have him around. What's on, Shakir? Oh, nothing complicated. Eggs, probably some manner of meat, bacon, or sausage. I don't know which one's easier to get. Probably some manner of starch, toast, or potatoes. Why not both? I got a good bread oven here, and actually this kitchen is very well equipped. Once you learned which teas not to drink, that was a hard night, but you made it. Over the last couple of months, this place, now that you've settled in and found a groove here, it's not bad at all. Delilah, he knows how to work the kitchen. A fact for which Delilah is very grateful with Ursagon and Tiki up doing her job most of the time. From over in the front workroom, you can hear a bash and a smash and a swearing. From Tiki's, she comes in to refill her coffee. Morning, Tiki. Going well, I take it? I know. We all miss her. We get her back as soon as we can. With that, she tips you a salute with her big mug of black coffee and goes shuffling back into the other room. I'm just about done here. What is the agenda for today? Do you feel more like snooping or putting people through windows? Well, why not both? Your work ethic is entirely peerless. Uh, why, why don't we start back at the docks and see if we can't find out anything new? And then we'll head back up to Lost Acre. Very well. Noteworthily enough, friends, it is Dead Winter's Eve. At midnight, the world stops. First for New Year, and then for Dead Winter. It's a period of time that seems to be about 48 hours long, but is impossible to tell because nothing moves cosmologically. It just stays there and calibrates for a short period and then picks right back up again with the first day of the new winter. So things have gotten chilly and people are bundled up in sweaters and it's that kind of weather. The leaves have all turned color. In this warm kitchen scene with the misting the windows such as you can see, uh, Delilah and Shakir sitting across the table from each other, eating their breakfast. There is a ding on the front door, Delilah. Delilah tenses up more or less immediately, but heads that way to see if she can't see who's out there. Well, you check through the peephole, which is next to the door, not in the door, because that's a good way to get shot in the eye. And see that there's an urchin, one of your favorites, in fact, Wee Molly from Copper Penny Row. She opens the door just a little bit and asks Molly for the appropriate phrase. 
How many pancakes does it take to shingle the roof of a doghouse, ma'am? Come on in, get out of the cold. So she comes slipping on in and, and she's got it. Like she's got her warm sweater on and it's that kind of weather. Like I said, a thick muffler and, you know, all the accoutrements of late autumn, early winter. And she says, well, Miss Delray, do you remember when you told me to keep an eye on the acorn? Let you know if, if, if you saw any hiding your hair of, well, of, of the master. Yes, Molly, I do. Well, they're back, Mum. All of them. Delilah starts visibly. Thank you, Mal. Come on back. Let's get you some breakfast. Oh, I, I love it. Welcome to Runelanders, the world's greatest curated 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, a retro-futuristic fantasy epic. This show contains adult content in the form of darker themes, sexual content, references to drug use, and coarse language. Now, we use a fairly robust set of safety tools when recording these adventures. This is yours. Use your judgment. If that sort of thing is your bag, well then, sit back, kick back, chill out, and relax. And as you prepare to lend an air, Dig, if you will, this fractured fable of a felonious fellowship's forays through the suave salons and sinister saloons of Byzantine Bailey Mina, the city of steel and steam. Thrilled to the adventures of this criminal cadre as they climb to notoriety and beyond. Will they remain merely outlaws, or will they become true villains? Well, I could tell you, but it's more fun if we show you. We're the Runelanders. This is Rapscallion, so get ready, runatics, and let's roll. As the episode opens, we find our hooligan heroes hiding behind Calder and Company Exporter Importer Incorporated with its flashy new sign, which is barely a couple of months old. We see the front of it and then quickly trail around to the back where in the alleyway we see four figures standing somewhat apart from each other and looking in different directions. These are, of course, our friends recently of the Violet Villa. Caller. Yes, sir. The violet fades, you feel gravity reassert itself and the uh, weight take up in your hamstrings and lower back and wait a minute, that didn't feel like that a minute ago. And so you take a deep breath and feel the electric crackle in your molars and then suddenly a pang in your chest which takes your breath away. How, uh, how much pain are we talking about here? It's something that you weren't expecting at all because pain was just data a second ago. And you look, yes, it's Bailey Mina. It looks like Bailey Mina. And it smells like Bailey Mina. And it's cold. It's cold here. 
I, I look around taking it in and then, then the pain kind of seeps in from, no, no, no. The pain kind of radiates out from the center of my chest and it, it, it catches my breath and I'll, I'll fall to my knees and be just as surprised with how much my knees hurt when I come crashing to the floor. Right onto the cobblestones. You appear to be in an alleyway and like there's no mistaking that smell. For the first time in a while, you reach out and feel the scales of your fingertips connect to something that feels solid and not hollow. That was the thing with the dream. Everything you could pick it up, it had weight, it had heft, but it felt like there was nothing in the middle of it if you get my drift. This is the kind of uh, hindsight's 2020 kind of realization as soon as I touch the cobblestones? Yep. I'm going to have to try to remember that the next time I'm in the dream. Do you want to spend a sorcery point? Done and done. Your claws find the corners of a cobblestone, and in a fit of coffee, you pull it out. But as your claws dig into the soil of Bailey Mina, there is a tingle, a rush, which spreads up your arm and into your chest. For a second, the pain is blinding and flattens you on the ground. And then... It goes away. And although your chest is itching, it is no longer burning. You crane your long neck around and you see that Ziva is standing there with a, a look on her face like, what is happening right now? And Ziva, you see Calder drop to his knees and then Snake is dragging neck around to look at you. Your eyes focus up and you're in an alleyway in Bailey Mina. You'd know it anywhere. At least the docks. It's uh, about six. Yeah, okay. This is the, yeah, Arabed lives over here, up on top of the place. If you, yes, you're sure of it. This was the alleyway that Primus used to drive up into and drop you off in, of course. You're out. Where, wait, what? Calder, are you okay? I shall run right over to him. Arabet, Nari, this coughing and movement escape neither of you who realize that you are in an alleyway in Bailey Mina. Because, as I mentioned, there's no mistaking that smell. Ugh. Well, this is going to take getting used to. I'm going to sort of scan the alley, look for anyone else that might be in here with us. Arabet looks at Nari, looks at Calder. Looks at Ziva, slowly gets down to the ground, and gives the cobblestone a gentle kiss. Home at last, Bets. What's next? Arabet will leave to go check out the acre by way of the Thieves Highway. It's much quicker than taking the streets at this hour anyway. Uh, across the fire escape to the buster, up the side to catch the passing buster car for a couple of blocks. And when it stops, you just climb down back into the infrastructure of the undercarriage, which leads you to the roof of a row house tenement. Across the roofs you go, down a fire escape, to a balcony which opens into an empty apartment. It's one of those mechanical buildings. This is just the maintenance ways for all of the various machinery in the walls of this place. When you 
cross to the other side. You open the door into the hallway, go down the hallway, open another door where there's a ladder that goes down to street level. By the time you stroll out around the corner on a street level, you are two blocks south and west of Copper Penny Road at the corner of Sweet William and Fish. I'm going to trot down Fish Street and see what's going down. All right. So you deek down the corner of your acre toward Copper Penny Row. And, uh, you know, it's middle of the morning and it is dead winter's eve. So people are bustling and not really paying too much attention. And uh, just out of habit, sleight of hand, please. 21. Plus another five is uh, 26. You dip a bill out of a passerby pocket and see that it is not a treasury note, but a receipt. A fucking guild receipt. It's a rent on a shoe shop with the receipt signed and dated. It's current, but it's signed Delilah Del Rey. I uh, pause into a corner and uh, I check that signature. Fuck, you don't know. You've never seen it before, but it's signed Delilah Del Rey, all right? All right, then. I'll keep dipping along the street. All right, well, sure enough, there's bronze tusks, and, uh, you know, it's, you can smell the borscht from 200 feet away. Do I dare? How much change do I have in my pocket? After your recent four days, probably about 15 bucks. I'll dip into good old Jaharis's. Well, there's a lineup out front, actually. Walking by the front of the building, you see that uh, Jaharis is just handing out bowls of borscht. He's not taking any money. People are walking up with a bowl. He's got a ladle. He gives them two or three big scoops, like four liters, eh, about a gallon of borscht. And uh, they thank him kindly under, his, under their breath and he just nods and they walk on, right? Orcs, halflings, elves, it don't matter. Anybody who needs a bowl of borscht, Jaharis is serving. And there's new pots being taken up to the line all the time. And it's not just Jaharis serving, it's all the orcs in the back kitchen. Okay. Okay, I go to see Thrasher. Okay, so you dash off down Fish Street and hang a right on Copper Penny Row. With all haste, you convey yourself to Cerulean's loot and find that the door is closed. Uh, and the lock has been engaged, and there's a sign in the window which says closed for remodeling. There's the office entrance. Where Joe is waiting for you. Howdy, Joe. What's the password? Joe. I've been gone for four fucking months. What's the password? Joe, it's me, Arabet. I'll be back. There is a uh, bump at your hip, Bet. Nobody bumps me. I give a spin and take a look. It's a... Just a young half-elf girl. She's probably 12. How much did you take? A look, sir. Come on. If you're good enough to bump me, you're good enough to take something. 
There's more in it for what I saw than the 13 gold in your pockets, sir. Well, since it was 15, I'll consider that a cheap price. Well, let's call it a tip. Certainly. What's your name? My name's Molly, sir. You working Thrasher's Turf, or what's the story? Oh, well, I'm free agent, sir, when I'm allowed to work in Lost Acre and Copper Penny Row. I pull out the guild receipt. Take this to your master and tell her we're back. I want to see her. Well, that'll cost you another five. No, it'll cost me one. Well, I'm sorry, but the fee is seven. That might be the fee, but it's your job anyway. As you wish. Good to see you back, Mr. Arabet. I'll have Madame by presently. Although the curio shop has been closed, there have been pickup orders arranged. Mr. Caller's been quite occupied and far too busy to receive guests directly, although he will respond by magical messages and has been available to select clientele for the autumn. This is all news to you, Calder. When you hear it, on the way over to your shop. Well, that's fair enough, but uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I am looking forward to seeing how the books are doing. So, as you get to the shop. You uh, turn the key in the lock and disarm the security system, and there is what can only be described as the collective excited in drawing of breath. Steady on. And then there's like a frisson of contained draconic glee. And herself presents in the front hallway. Welcome home, Master. It is a great relief to have returned. You're looking positively dreadful. Shall we tend to you? Indubitably. I shall have a bath. Nigel, Nigel, and Nigel shall have one drawn presently, sir. What would you like for your supper? You know, I, I don't think I care. So long as it is real. Yes, sir. The usual for dead winter's evening, then. Nigel, 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 you heard the master have his usual dead winter's feast prepared. Sir, I shall have your music prepared and your pipe waiting. We have waited faithfully and you'll find everything in order. And when you are ready, himself will happily entertain you. Excellent. And with that, I'm going to stride off and head downstairs. Caller, it's a dead winter magical miracle. It really is. It, it, it's it's like all the dead winter propaganda sells as you, you, you get to sit and soak in a bath and like you, you let your tail hang out and uh, rest on the floor and, you know, really flex your toes and go through the books because, you know, you can hang your neck out of the tub and read them on a dais. And uh, the Nigels turn the pages for you. And it turns out 
that that little burly guy is also one hell of a businessman. Well, this is just splendid. The thing is, though, about two months ago, you can't figure out how you didn't actually sell anything, but Burley bought it somehow. Anyway, you have a partner now, is the point. And it was just about the time your limited partnership and right of first refusal with Starkweather and Fair ran out, according to the contract, two and a half months ago. Well, I raise an eyebrow and then I I pause for a moment and enjoy how great it feels to raise an eyebrow. And I think to myself, well, I must get Nari to take a look at this. This is somewhat surprisingly beyond my ken. You set Nigel and Nigel to recording a copy to bring over to Nari's. It never does to bring the originals out and about there. They're well enough safe where they are. But, I mean, copies you can schlep about. Nigel? Yes, sir. It's not polite to stare. We will discuss my chest later. Yes, master. I was also admiring your manly wings. I, I don't mean to, but I puff out a bit. Well, very well. Just my pipe. Yes, sir. And with that, a broad bowl full of marijuana and hashish is placed in your palm, gently warmed by the fire within. You draw a deep breath and luxuriate the evening, eating a spit of rabbits, drinking the finest wine that you have in the cellar, which admittedly you missed all this year's fall vintages, but still had some of last year's. and. You know, listening to music on the phonogram, it's quite pleasant indeed. And presently we see Delilah disembarking from a handsome with Shakir in front of the house at Lost Acre. Arabet is sitting on the steps out in front of the tall townhouse. Shakir, why don't you start by describing the gentleman accompanying Delilah? Because... For as good as it is to see her again, Arabet, and for as much as it makes your heart sing and jump to finally be back to pay her what she asked for, there's this dude. Who is that dude? I'm going to stand up. Uh, Shakir stands probably a step to the left and a step ahead of Delilah. He's just exactly the way he's normally dressed, uh, cloak over his left side still unable to hide the fact that he's carrying a sword but hides all the other stuff that's under there his left hand is obscured by the cloak his right hand is probably just resting on his right hip uh non-combative non-threatening stance no reason at the moment for him to expect he's going into a fight hello good day accordion correct Expensive. Shakir will just kind of glance over his right shoulder at this point. This is not an opportunity Delilah gets all that often, so she's just going to let him go. She's going to keep an eye on things, but let him go. 
So yeah, unless Delilah signals him otherwise, and it looks like she's not gonna, uh, he'll just turn back, kind of smile a little bit and shrug. Well, glad you're on board. This place you're standing in front of Shakir is four stories in the Irish Revival style. About 100 years ago, there was a big influx of Irish settlers to Scotia. And being bigger as they are, um, they built their houses to scale. This used to be a bustling, upscale, blue-collar neighborhood. Uh, it's since fallen on harder times as the towers have gone up and the, the real money has ascended into the sky. But uh, 50 years ago, this was quite a place to live. Very nice house. Yeah, I'm selling it for a song. We'll keep that in mind. Glad they've been keeping my receipts. Welcome home, Bet. Well, I see you have uh, gotten some help here. Um, very interesting. What's going on? Why is Thrasher holed up? Because there's a war on. How long? I believe it started the day you left. Despard decided his influence wasn't big enough. Guild politics. So what's the play? He's been busy trying to murder me and all of your citizens. I haven't had a lot of time for offense. But he's got Ursa. We gotta take the fight to him, and we gotta win it. Ah, I see. All right. Well, the whole city's gonna know I'm back by sundown, so where do you want to go to talk? Because this isn't a good place, obviously. She nods and uh, names one of the safe houses she keeps up in the acre. And it's safe? Well, we'll need to check it. I ain't been there since last night, but... Nothing then. I've only got about two tails on me right now. And with that, the Tifling and the Hobgoblin, which were across the street, arguing with each other, um, when Arabet says, I've only got two tails on me, stop arguing, draw a breath, and walk away. Your cab driver's going to report, but, I mean, people know I come here, so. All right. What do you want to say, 30 ticks? She nods. Okay, I'll come gear for war. Oh, I almost forgot. I remembered to get that thing you wanted. She smiles a little bit sadly. I'd actually forgotten until you mentioned that. Yeah, I didn't forget. I never imagined you would. I turn and nod at Shakir. Shakir will nod back. Right, see you in 30 ticks. Nari. I'll turn to Ziva. Indeed. Which one of me? What? Oh, never mind. I'm here. I'm just thinking. You're free. Do you... Do you get that? This thing that we've had 
holding over us our entire lives, like wondering who our dad was, where we came from, why we're so fucking weird, blah, blah, blah. We know all of that now. And we don't have to do anything. We don't have to, like, go play their silly dress-up shit to do it. We're totally free. They're like, not, there's nobody telling us what to do. I mean, I just, I'm just feeling like this big weight, like, lifting off me, you know what I mean? Like, I never realized how much that was tying me down. It is, it's strange, but it is, it is genuinely good to be back. Nari, it is so good to see you, and it is so good to have you back. And it is so good to know that it was worth it. So now, now what do we do? Oh my god. I want to see Pet Tick. Well, let's go. Well, Zeva's is on the way to your brownstone. So you can split a cab or go separately, whichever you want. Uh, which do you want? Do you want to go together or separately? Might as well split a cab. Come check things out with me. Yeah, I'll go along with Ziva. To 666 Belladonna. And the cab rattles off. It's a horse and handsome thing, traditional. And uh, you go riding up the streets and you see all the various press and ganging throngs that comprise the citizenry of Bailey Mina. And you go out through Queensbridge, down Belladonna Lane, and you stop in front of a bakery. Uh, where's my house? Well, you said 666 Belladonna Lane, ma'am. He didn't say to take you to your house. Is that... I, I don't know what that is. Have to tell I me what that is. Did I give him the wrong address? Nope. What? Where is my house? Where is my horse? Why are you Where asking is my me? Stuff? She'll just she's just getting out of the cab and like looking around. What? Does she recognize everything around it? Hans Bagelman Bakery, oldest in Queensbridge, established 852. What? Does the rest of the neighborhood look the same? Familiar? Identical. She's going to go around the outside of the building and, and look around. All right. Well, it looks exactly the same. So you go around the side of the building and split down the alley. There's that backyard gate. Just kind of glancing around, yeah. There's the garage out back and the, the little yard with the patio set, but the, the furniture is different. And there's uh, wind chimes hanging off an apple tree in the yard. Upstairs, there's white curtains, and uh, you can see a couple of paper drawings stuck on the windows with stick tack. This is so weird. Mari? Yeah, I'm following up along behind her. She turns around and, and kind of, uh, she takes him by the, 
the lapels. Mari, where is Pate? Where's all my stuff? Why does this say that this is the oldest place here if it's only been here for four months? Can you... Okay. I'm totally about to, like, lose my shit. Can you go inside and ask them something and give me a minute to calm down? Would you like a bagel? She gives him a look that would wither plant life. Well, I'll just sort of back away and then go and get myself a bagel. Go in and check the place out. It's a bagel shop, all right. There's like, there's also breads and pastries and, you know, baked tarts and fruit tarts and meat tarts and various pies and confectionaries of all descriptions. All of the sort of things you can cook in an oven, all for sale here at Bagelman. But yeah, so Nari, you're sitting there with a, you've got a box of sweet tarts and a, you're chewing away on a bagel with some, with all your favorite toppings. It is the best thing that you've eaten and you can't remember how long because it is the first thing that you've actually had to sit and, and eat. Like in the dream, it was, yeah, there was feasting, but you never really ate anything. There was dining, but you never really consumed anything. There's always like adventures and maidens to bamboozle and, 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 you know, trickeries to be pulled and, you know, halfway through the meal, somebody would barge in and you don't ever remember being hungry in all of that time. Weird. But yeah, you're sitting on the front steps eating a bagel, I guess. What, like, what do you do? You get in there and find that it's a bakery. And being there for like a good long time, pretty obviously. Certainly seems to be like there's, it looks well established. It certainly looks older than four months. Yeah, like nothing's been like recently like moved around. Like, I mean, there, you know, if it's a, if it's a bakery, they'll have some like equipment sort of even just uh, out front like cabinets and stuff. So like, yeah, like looking around, seeing like fit the floor, seeing if there's like obviously like, oh, that that's new or that, you know, something else was there before, you know, like sort of mismatch between what's there and what's on like floor. None of that. The place is old. Well, I guess after I've sort of like, yeah, I'd like sort of scoped the place out and totally cased it. Uh, and then just like get up and leave and take some sweet pastries to Ziva because she seems down. All right, Ziva, what have you been doing this whole time? I think she's been, uh, she paced around a few times, getting a really good look at the building. Um, you know, establishing the same, you know, did it look virtually painted? Did it look you know, anything like that. And kind of realizing, no, it, it, it actually looks like it's been there a really long time. She's just going to start pacing back and forth. Um, and she's trying to... She's got Sia sort of wrapped around her neck. And she's, she's kind of petting her. And is trying to think where of any other place where Pate could have ended up. Well, you parked him here. You left Primus in the front room. Like, the 
No. Everything, was, it was right here. You're sure it was right here. Primus was here, and Hate was here, and all my ghosts. What? Where are all my ghosts? Where? What about all of them? I was taking care of them. And, and I was helping them out. Where are they gone? I... Well, instead of standing around uh, beside or in front of a bakery looking looking for ghosts, should we perhaps move on to see whatever's happened to my place and perhaps get somewhere more appropriate to discuss and worry about these these things? I guess, but it's my it's my baby. Wait. She pulls out her phone and she calls Zul. Yes, hello. Oh. You've reached the archive. I'm terribly busy. Leave a message. Um, it's Eva. I really hope everything hasn't gone all weird because we came back and my house is gone. I don't know what's going on. I'm super confused. Please tell me you haven't forgotten me. I'm kind of freaking out. Okay, bye. Okay, let's go to your place. You know, at least there is some sort of regularity, Nari, because as you pull up into the Barrister's District in this cab uh, with your sister, there, right there, the door frame looks the same. It's still got the same shiny brass letters. It still looks like a barrister's residence, and God's diggity damn it, that's that. Even the curtains are the same. I'll hop out and head on up to the door and start uh, fiddling with the. Uh, uh, do I have keys? I, they should be in my satchel somewhere here. And just you're fidgeting with the lock when the door opens, and there is a tall-ish, not really, not. He's kind of nondescript. I mean, you wouldn't pick him out of a line, right? You know this face. Yes, sir. Can I help you? Unusually, there's a knock at the front door. Arabette crosses the living room and walks down the hallway to the front door, carefully not passing any windows looks out through the crack that exists in the pane on the left-hand side of the door. The very crack in the pane of the glass that Delilah's watching. But she doesn't say or do anything, just keeps an eye on it. Arabet opens the door so Delilah can slip in. Afternoon, Bat. I left my tail up by Bronze Tusks. How are you? Oh, good. I'm sure the guys across the street noted that you're here. Well, I'll wave next time. Well, you know, they've been watching this place a long time. Since I took the acre over, at least. Are you enjoying having it back? Hmm. That's an interesting question. It's very loaded. It's the best kind of question, isn't it? The loaded ones? Yeah, it's your specialty, that's for sure. So, about the acre being back, um, thanks. Sure you want to give it back? It was part of our promise, as I recall. Okay. Oh, look, come in, come in, come in, come into the dining room. Let's sit down. I'll get some coffee. We'll we'll do this like civilized people. 
I appreciate some civilization every now and again. Good, so do I, especially human civilization. You must have quite a story to tell. Yeah, I think we managed to piss off everybody in the Fae that we could. Ain't that something? She follows him in. Arabet comes out with coffee from the kitchen that uh, joins the dining room. I'm sorry, I got distracted earlier, so this isn't a fresh pot exactly. I can do one up if you're desperate, but I mean, I hate to waste. She waves a hand. No, this is fine. Well, you know, this will taste better than the salted version that I have been drinking in the Fae. Well, we weren't even in the Fae. Like, to be honest, we were in the dream. The Fae is something completely different, I understand, which I'm quite happy that we didn't go there. The dreaming, on the other hand, was a little nuts. But I found something there. What'd you find? Ambition. Oh? Yeah. Yeah. What do you want? I mean, not from me, but what do you want? Overall, out of everything, what do you want? And you are accusing me of asking loaded questions. She uh, wraps both of her hands around her mug and settles back in her chair. It's only loaded if you're not honest, if you're trying to find the best answer to give me in order to make me do something that I don't want to do. But this isn't the case here. I mean, you came to return my acre, and I'm in a gang war with you and Thrasher and this guy Despard. And you know what? It doesn't look like things have been going well around here. Not any fault of your own, I'm sure. But you know what I'm saying. I, I, I'm walking into a loaded situation anyway. So tell me, what do we want? Like, what do you want? Well, I suppose in the short term, I want to get my Arsa back. And slice Galio Despard into tiny ribbons. Okay. Those are two different things, right? Yeah, but he's got Arsa, so they're related. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. Um, okay, let's do some deep soul searching here. We get Ursa back, Despard gets cut up, then what? You're not the type of girl to, I don't know, marry in a Kodian and make babies and live a happily ever after life, I don't think. It's like nothing wrong with that, but it just doesn't seem you. What I'm trying to say is you want something. Before you can ever get it, even consider that other other scenario, you want something. And it's not just Despard's balls on a platter and Ursa back in your house. What do you want? Tell me. You know, my mama taught me you can do plenty of things at once if you put your mind to it. But yeah, I want something. I want a free city, Arabat. Okay, that's not what I thought you were going to say. What do you mean a free city? I mean, the Imperium is every awful thing we keep learning the gods were. Except they're also pretending to be us. They need to go. Okay, so 
I will tell you, I thought you were going to say you wanted to be a master in the guild, and, you know, run your acre and everything else. I see you have bigger dreams. That's okay. Uh, let me tell you what I'm thinking. I'm all ears. I am tired of the guild. I want to run the joint. I told you I got some ambition while I was in the Fey watching these Fey lords do their thing, pulling the strings, trying to get us to do whatever they wanted. That's a whole story there. But uh, when it comes down to Delilah is I want to take over the underworld, the criminal underworld. And I get it. The Imperium's just as bad, well, if not worse, because there are those Imperatori, and uh, I, you know, don't worship them or anything, uh, like most of the rich people do. Although I think they just like them because they keep them rich. It's the same with these guild guys. I mean, what does a guild master do? Makes money, mostly. And keeps the peace. Is on the board. You know what I'm saying? I do. Who are they doing that for? Well, you know, themselves, they take a good big cut of it, and the Empire doesn't even blink about that. And in return, all us little people just stick on the, the end of the, the, the wharf doing boat jobs and paying off people who don't have any investment in the work. I've been paying Thrasher for the privilege of being an independent for years. About as long as I've been paying my guild dues, I'd wager. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that was a good setup when I didn't realize that I can make a lot more money being the boss. That would be good. I get that. But I'm not motivated by money. I never was. I like what money can do. Don't get me wrong. I'm not stupid. I see these kids on the street and I worry about them. I won't tell a lie. I do. That's why I took Timotei and that's why I took, you know, the copper pennies into the fold and pushed people into the copper pennies because they needed, needed a group to hold them together. You know, I don't have a heart of gold or anything, but I care about the city and the people in it. And I, and I mean the people in our city, not the people in the towers. They... They only come down here to slum it. So I'm with you. When you say that you want to get the Imperium out, I get you. Because you know what? The Imperium is about keeping those people on those towers happy. And those towers are built in our neighborhoods so that they don't have to smell the stink that we do. So like I said, I found my heart. You remember, oh, half a decade ago, when I thought your name was Arthur. You called me Angel and I flinched. I wouldn't speak to you for the rest of the night. 
yeah, that was weird. And you got a story to tell me? Still won't let a girl get her thoughts together, I see. Yeah, I do. But why tell you when I can show you? And she grins, takes a deep breath. And when she exhales, it's like the sun is rising on the other side of the table. She leans close enough to him so that he could feel that the light will burn before she sits back again. And takes another deep breath and lets it fade. And says, you know, it wasn't because you were so wrong that I got mad about that. Arabic's hands shake as he pulls the coffee up towards his face. Kind of hits it on his chin, then his nose. Finally finds his lips and takes a big drink. Well, I'll be, he finally says. So you're a... Looks like, yeah, and that's the way I'm going to go eventually. So... When you say you want to get rid of the Imperium, you have some personal reasons for that, eh? It seems like I do, yeah. But more than just the ones you think. Now, don't get too close to me when I'm lit up. It'll, it'll smart. Yeah, I felt that. Yeah, that'll take some getting used to. Have you ever tried to fry an egg? <laughs> Barrister's Row, Bailey Mina, north end of Queen's Bridge. Just up against the government district. Nari, you go to fiddle with the door of your place, and when the door opens, it's the butler. Your butler, in fact. The one that you used to be. The one you fired a couple hours ago. Didn't I fire you? I'm sorry, sir. Who are you? Oh, never mind. Sorry to bother you. Take yourself away from here, Andaly. We don't have riffraff in this neighborhood. Move along smartly. And with that, he closes the door and locks it. Well, you've got riffraff now, asshole. Well, turn to Ziva. That's that. Uh, should we check on Mother? Oh, my God. She's hugging Sia closely to her, and she waited in the back of the cab, kind of half expecting the worst. The door opens from the place as you're getting just to the cab, and Jobsworth comes out with a dustbin, which he takes down to the end of the stairs. And he looks at you, up and down, as though you were something spit out, Nari, before as you're mounting the cab. And he goes, are you sure you want to go that way, sir? And then he goes back into the house, which he closes and locks. Nari, you're still my brother, right? I think so. We were banished together, after all. Well, all of us. She holds out her hand. I'll take it. Okay. Promise me 
that even no matter what crazy shit is about to happen, you're still my brother and you still got my back, okay? And she squeezes his hand. See, it's easy enough to, to figure, uh, even if I'm not the original me, this me very much is your brother and has your back. So I think we can move on safely with, uh, with that sort of Okay. I mean, I know a lot of things have changed for you. And obviously a lot of things have changed here in the world that we thought we knew. Um, I just, I can't lose you. Because that was the whole reason I had to get you back here. The whole reason I did all of that was to get you back here. Apparently to find us homeless. Yes, we we may uh, may want to plan in a pinch to return to the greenhouse if we if we have nowhere else. But hopefully, mother has uh, has room for her two darling children, at least for the night. Well, well, there's like the house in Lost Acre, maybe. Oh, the rat trap. I remember the rat trap. I mean, I'm hoping. I want to check that our mother is still like, I don't know, our mother. Um, but then I want to go there and see if that's still there, too. I'll follow your lead. Uh... I'm remembering parts of the city, but it, it's, uh, it's... You, um, you moved her out of the house that we grew up in, right? Yeah, set her up in a cozy place all her own. I think we should go check the house we grew up in. Yeah, if we have to. Probably not a bad idea. I just have a feeling... What with everything else that's happened so far today? That might be where we find her. Well, let's go. But what should we what should we bring mother? Uh it feels like we shouldn't show up empty handed, especially if we're potentially begging to stay the night. Um I haven't had a rat on a stick in years. Should we pick up, perhaps, supper on the way? Oh, yeah. Just in case. Yeah, I'll look around. Uh, I'll see what kind of, if I have any money, uh, if I can dig any money out of my bag, then I'll see what what's available and if we can get a bottle of wine money you got you can stop and get a bottle of wine and probably a roast chicken and uh maybe some potatoes and stuff like that from one of those dwarven bodegas on the way over to the laundries save a pastry mm -hmm. hey ziva 
When your brother says he hasn't had a rat on a stick in years, Mm -hmm. you pass by a light and it catches him in the dim of the cabin. This is a darksome sort of neighborhood you're passing through in the shadow of a lot of towers. And as you go, the light shines through the window and lights him up. He now, more than you can remember in however long you were gone. And honestly, they say it's been months, but it feels like years. Anyway, he looks more like himself than you have ever seen him. Like just that inconspicuous, middle and handsome street hustler. The skin he was in before he put on a suit, collar open, his tie is completely untied. And uh, he's thinking about supper. And he looks more like your brother than he ever has since, fuck, you don't know how long. Nari, there's something different. You can't really put your finger on what, but there's just something missing. And uh, still got the huge hair, still got the whatever she's wearing right now. It's her, definitely her style. Looks just like her. Do you notice her eyes, which were a pale violet? are gray, just like your mom's, mind you. Same color as mom's, but by no means purple. Caller, amid the soft glow of the candles in your perfectly warm basement, there's a bit of light filtering in through the glass bottom of the fountain in your courtyard like that faint glow from the city above you and lights up the room somewhat. There is a merrily glowing bed of coals in the hearth. It's a nice, warm, comforting sort of temperature and uh, humid, properly so. Feels good on your skin. Now, this long soak, this was a good chance to scrub off. I mean, you've had a mold right? And no time to have a good soak. Your skin feels great. You've scrubbed off the last of your scales. The molt is complete. Um, Your wings, although you cannot trust them to bury you in air, are fully flexible. They're fully functional. You, You can wear them like a cloak and tuck them in around your ribs. You're still largely bipedal, although now it's easier for you to go about as a Dirishman than as a half-elf. You step out of your tub and allow the nidles to dry you off and drape your long flowing robe over you. However, it wasn't cut to accommodate wings and so it's a little bit less comfortable than you could be, but all the same, not bad. In about five minutes, the nidle has prepared you for your next engagement you now feel presentable enough. So you take a minute, adjust to your new weight. You're a lot heavier than when you left, and uh, you can't just shift yourself around at will anymore. Although the time you did spend as a transmogrifying machine made you much better at the spells you needed to get home tonight. It just came more instinctively. Turns out the transfiguration of form, the math is... Well, you always, it was never math before. It was always just, am I doing this right? 
well, apply the principles, you do the math, it works well. You know, your natural talents combined with a lot of the things you've learned made you a lot more formidable, it seems. Anyway, bearing that in mind, you shorten your tail and move your center of balance to make bipedalism a little easier before you unlock the door into your second tertiary horde. All right, so before I open the door to enter, um, and I, I haven't uh, I haven't seen him in a while, take a moment to fortify myself, take a breath, and open the door and stride it. So you cross the chamber and, uh, you know, just appreciate that the Nigels have done a good job of keeping this particular horde dust-free and organized. Although, there was 11 Electrum in that stack when you left it, and now there are only nine. Don't tell the Nigel, but everyone deserves a horde. Including the Nigel. However, though, you, you will have to adjust your books because those Electrum were accounted for, like when you checked the books not an hour ago. It's fine that the horde doesn't match. It's not fine that the books don't match. Uh, yeah, so I'll have to have uh, a conversation with... Uh... Nigel, because obviously uh, the youngsters, Nigel or maybe Nigel or perhaps even Nigel is old enough, um, they uh, don't understand uh, how to properly skim. And a job worth doing. You're right, it's worth doing well, and it's really a shame about Nigel. Like, what long missed poor Nigel. Uh, and Nigel still hasn't gotten over that loss. It's, it was a tragedy, but that that Nigel, there was a kobold who knew how to skim. He, he, everything was everything was airtight with the books. Nigel was an artist, and just long missed, long lamented. Poor Nigel. These uh, these kids today, they they just don't understand craftsmanship. No pride in craft. So you pause by the door and. And rolling with it, literally, natural 20 plus plus seven intimidation. Despero drops both of the beers he was holding. Des, a dragon has just kicked in the fucking door. Fucking hell, what the hell is wrong with you? Oh, that would be Mr. Calder, Des says Mr. Burley Jr. And then from behind the door, always come home at last, has he, finally. All right, Mickey, Despero, I think uh, it's been good of you to keep us all company here, but uh, adults are speaking. So if you don't mind, you can wait in the other room. You don't have to fucking tell me twice. Good boy, Des. Don't get too far. There's still a, a bit of business to do that you might need to be privy to. Uh, Mickey, take a couple of bottles, entertain your friend. Don't be nosy. Oh, I will walk into the room, and as they exit, I'll give them a slow, level gaze that just tracks their movement. And as you turn around... Despero. Door. Yeah. 
Yes, Master Colder. And the door slams with a boom. And there is the well-dressed, well-appointed, well-fed figure of Michael Burley Sr. What the runes is going on here? Your uh, your staff told us you were having a bath. So I figured you, being the sort of person that you are, would like a fast update before the world stopped moving. Yes, but what are you doing here? There is some sort of movement he makes with his hand, and then he is holding a bottle of whiskey, which he pulls the cork out of. He gestures to glasses on the table in front of him and says, we've got a few things to discuss. Calder, is it? That's not actually your last name. It's not actually any of my names. Well... You'd forgive me if I don't have the right-shaped face to speak like you do. Calder leans in. His eyes narrow. He sniffs the halfling. Pipe smoke, B.O., and money. Oh, with a, like whiskey and, and beer. There's like a strong alcoholic current there. It's soaked into his skin and everything that he's done. Right. Uh, everything about Michael Burley Sr. smells like working in a brewery distillery hard for your whole life. And then, you know, like getting a good break at the end and finally making some money and uh, spending his money on good quality equipment instead of just whatever he wants. Right, uh, like all of his all of his clothes are still handmade by his wife, you know, with with with, with materials that she buys to save a dollar because that's the river folk, you know. Well, everything looks right, and as I catch the slightest whiff of his wife's perfume from the threading, I'm like, "Well, this certainly does appear to be my friend." Very well. Where's that drink then? Nestor, are you going to stand there looking at his vintages all night, or are you going to come and join us? And with that, another halfling who has like no hair at all, like no eyebrows, no eyelashes, no hair of any kind at all, uh, comes wandering out of the stacks that you keep for various imperial and extra imperial vintages of wine. With a 766, he doesn't say anything, and he's just kind of looking at the bottle with puzzlement on his face. And uh, Burley looks at him and says, well, it's probably the real thing. I mean, he's got a bit of money before he met us. And with that, the other halfling just shrugs and sets the bottle on the table in between the three glasses, which are full of whiskey, and uh, sits down. And he says, uh, Mr. Calder, I take it you know of my partner mr nestor took our partner in fact calder raises a scaly eyebrow for a moment relishes the delightful freedom of raising an eyebrow 
when he wants to. And then he nods and he says, your reputation and your beer precedes your name. Took gives you the chin-chin motion with his glass and takes a sip of the whiskey, draws a breath in through his nose, swallows, and then exhales with a satisfied motion. Burley takes a sip of his, swishes it around in his mouth a bit, cracks his jaw, and then swallows. I, uh, I also raise a toast, uh, drink down my, uh, my whiskey, put the glass back down with the firm plonk on the table, and I say, well, I suppose some proper introductions are in order. Perkanal Khan, please allow me to introduce myself. Namasaya Kalodur Zavaputra Bahasadagara Ramsuku. I'm Dragon Pearl, son of Zavos, of the clan of sublime merchants of wonder of Skald. Well, I'm Mike Burley, and this is my partner, Nastra Duke. We came from the Riverlands quite a while ago, built ourselves a brewery out of Littleton, and now thanks to you, sir, we're the most popular having brewery anywhere in the Empire. You know, there are many thousands of us all over Catherica, Mr. Calder. They all like beer. Thanks to this operation of yours, I can get proper beer to them. Now we've taken the liberty of protecting your interests while we've been using your boats and looking after your stevedores and everyone while you've been away these past few months. And we didn't think that a 60-20-20 split would offend you. Not in the slightest. In fact, I, I believe that it is your beer that is so popular. And I would like to thank you for protecting our interests using our boats from our warehouse and, of course, ensuring the well-being of our stevedores. And your carter said your boatsman, but I digress. You have to look after your own. I've uh, gone through and I've had a good look at everyone who was picking off the top. Now, it seems that you've had a... a Deep cut lately. Well, I cut a little deeper. I got rid of the stickiest fingers. I kept them moderately sticky ones. Too greedy not is not good. Not greedy enough. Too altruistic. This is Bailey Mina's son. We don't need that kind of trouble. You speak with the wisdom of experience. Now, the other part of this, I'm going to need you to speak to Mr. Arabes. He's been a friend to our folk, you know. Uh, we've been able to move out of Orc Ridge, which has made Mr. Bronstusk much, much happier with us in general and has uh, done wonders for the state of the district. I must say, sir, you and your associates have been a breath of fresh air that we haven't seen around here in 30 years. We certainly wouldn't want to make any untoward changes. It is good to know that our presence here is both welcome and of benefit to our friends and family. No question of it, sir. You will find no more loyal partners than Nestor and myself. Now, 
I hate to put this bluntly. We are partners, Scholar. Can I just pay you the, the, the privilege of being blunt? Calder takes a moment to consider this proposition. This is not a small thing. There is a moment where you pause and because you are amongst partners, you're not trying to be scary. You're wearing your most neutral expression. But when you turn your face to lock eyes with Burley, although he sits there on the leather stuffed chair, as cool as dead winter morning, you see there's a slight tremor in the level of the whiskey and that tinkle of the ice cube rattling off the side of the glass. It is notoriously difficult to shake the river folk. Yet Mr. Burley, for all of his cockiness, is evincing a real tone of, if that makes you happy, sir. Like it's all over his body language. His posture is non-offensive and, and almost servile. It's his vocal tone, which carries all of his confidence. Well, Mr. Burley, it's, um, it has been some time since I've had, um, this sort of request, but I see its merit. Uh, however, let us be sure that your candor is limited to our private conversation. I wouldn't dream of it elsewise, sir. Well, <clears throat> since we are speaking plainly, uh, it is important that you understand uh, that there is there are other complications that we must consider. And then Calder just turns around, and then he takes the jacket off. Tuke leans forward when you open your wings, sets his whiskey on the counter, and then stands up with the, his brow, like his, his, his eyebrows. He has eyebrows, not eyebrow hair, but he has eyebrows. Um, his brows are knit together, and uh, like he puts his left thumb to his lips, and he gets a look of concentration on his face. As he gets up and just like walks a semicircle around you, you can see the gears turning in his head. Burley says, very, very impressive, sir. That, um, that's definitely distinctive. I recommend that you pour yourself another drink and let me know when you've done so. You can hear the clink on three glasses gurgling of whiskey then bare-chested now i turn around again Tuke drops the bottle he's holding look let's lay it on the line i want to control the thieves guild because i don't think they're giving a fair shake to the poor people having been a poor person i know that this is true this city could be better run, better organized, better managed, I think is the right word, than what 
what it is right now. And I've seen some things in the last 12 hours that make me wonder about just what that would look like. You know, Bronze Tusk is a soup kitchen now. Yeah, Arabet, I know. I don't know how much research you did on Iron Fire before you came down that first time. But if you take a look at the statistics, all those civic numbers the bureaucrats pull together, it's weird how few people starve to death there. I mean, sure, a few people freeze. It's a district full of forges. You wouldn't expect that, but that's part of why my bid for master's never gotten taken seriously. My money's got somewhere to go. So what's a thief and a whatever the fuck you are going to do about it? I prefer scoundrel. And I say we take this city back for the people that make Bailey Mina who she is. So we need a war chest. I've been thinking about that. It's kind of what I planned on using the constellation for. Okay. I'm going to tell you a few things. I'm listening. The first thing is, that necklace is never going to reach here by boat. I know it's hit a few snags since my bear went missing. Yeah, that's just part of it, I think. I... Tell me about Despard. What do you know about him other than these shit heel? He's a shit heel with every other finger and every goddamn pie this side of. No, it's this side of the moons, I think. So, Delilah, why take her stuff? Because she's a fucking genius. Yeah, but why take Ursa? Why not buy Ursa? Why not do it on any number of other easy ways? Like he's not coming to the Iron Fire and Bramble and knocking on your door. He's knocking on Thrasher's and mine, right? We got in bombs in the Bramble, too. I'm not saying that. Um, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying his angle is to take this part of the neighborhood and join his fiefs up, right? Yeah, that'd be a fair thing to say. So why take Ursa? What's the end game? He doesn't do anything and it doesn't mean money. Who wants Ursa the most? I mean, other than yourself. Swan right now, I think. So why take Ursa? To get Swan, who's more or less made of money. Yeah, if you're going to ransom off a kidnapping victim, would you go to Swan or go to you? I mean, her value is she's a genius. The guy's a thief. He stole her. He doesn't have anything for her to work on. I sure hope he doesn't. So here's my question. If you can't find her, where have you been looking? I know where he took her first. He took her to the bank and hid her in the copper domes. I've been trying to pick up the trail from there. Why well, hide her at a bank in a copper dome? 
To prevent scrying. Oh, magic. So, copper breaks up magic? Yeah, it can keep you from seeing in. Well, there's only one other place that I know you can't scry. She just looks at him expectantly. The vault sets swarms. That's very true. Hmm. You know, they sent me flowers. Yeah. They did, did they? Yeah, probably to put me off the trail, so. Looks like I've got some jewelry to look into. I'm glad Stitch isn't here. He'd tell me this was another fucking buster job. I think if he told you that this time, he'd be ignoring the fact that it wasn't just you going this time. It's both of us. I think that makes us a little bit more dangerous. Well, if you bring that Shakir guy around, yeah. It'd be definitely be dangerous. Oh, he's got a... He's got a debt to pay on that front, too. You remember Giggles? The assassin? He killed her. <laughs> okay. So that sword isn't just for show. No, that sword ain't just for show. I'll remember that. All right, let's make a pact. I think I'm ready to agree to something, but first, I want to know. I told you to come back from the dream with an unbroken heart. I did. My heart's not broken. How'd you manage it? Very simple. Who's the dream? Hope's everywhere. I mean... You're a hopeful creature. I found ambition and hope. I'm glad. Yeah, you're glad, but I noticed you found an unbroken heart, too. But I learned a long time ago. The way to heal a broken heart is just to keep breaking it. Eventually, you figure out your way through. Yeah, well, you know what my mom said. What does your mama say? Love is temporary, charged by the hour. But, you know, I never listened to my mama. Probably for the best in this case. If you need some good motherly advice, I'll... Uh... I'll talk to Bailamina about it, see what she says. Do you listen very clearly to me? I like you. I always have, always will. Even when I didn't know who you were, I, I really liked you. And uh, once upon a time, I saw a simple life. I thought, you know, I just might reach for it. And I got burned pretty bad. Not by you. But it was a burning experience, I mean, all the same. I'm not afraid of being burnt by you. 
you understand that? I do. And I think you're right not to be afraid of that at this point. I don't. I don't see any reason why, even if we disagree, we can't discuss it like friends. I like that word, friends. I like another word, family. Everybody needs family, I've found. So, may I suggest a couple things about going forward and with our planning? Sure, I'm all ears. I had this thought about the good things you do and the bad things I do. And uh, that's how the city needs to be split, eh? Arabetta, you say in my great strength in this negotiation is my willingness to go legit. I didn't say legit. I just said good. <laughs> you like to help people. I like to hurt the bad people. I feel like we both tab dabble in each other's territory every now and again on that front. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, I don't think I can be a crime lord without the people accepting that I'm the crime lord. But the bad people, they need to be kept in line with something more than soup kitchens. That's true. They do. All right. Let's drink some coffee. I got some bagels from the guy, Copper Penny Row there, and he's there in the, the kitchen. I'll just grab them, okay? All right, bet I'd like that. All right, I'll be right back. We're going to cut to the front door of Lost Acre, where... Ziva and Nari stand with their faces just fucking stricken and uh, a whole dinner prepared in their hands. Arabet, you open the door and see this these two morose motherfuckers standing on the front step of your house. They have food and uh, no visible expression on their face. You should come in. Come in, come in. Off the street. Ziva sort of drifts in, puts things down. And she walks over back to Arabet and looks at him and touches his shoulder gently and, and gives him a good look. And you know who I am, right? Yeah, I don't invite strangers into my house. Come on. You remember me. Well, that's the thing. Calder is sitting in his seat over by the table where he and Arabet had been uh, discussing a few things over paperwork um, that he brought. See, there'd been a bit of talk on the side about the what the deal was going to be if and when people got home in one piece and Calder and Arabet were discussing this when you happened by, so... A little early, but fortunate all the same. Come in, friends. Because right now, all we have is each other. Yeah, apparently, literally. I don't have a home. I don't have a horse. I don't have 
my zombie. I don't have all of those ghosts that I work so hard for. I don't have anything except what I'm carrying on me. Apparently, I don't even have a mom. I'm sorry. Ziva, that sounds perfectly awful. I'm terribly sorry. And uh, I'll go over her. Uh, go over to her, and uh, I'll give her a hug. Although I don't do it very well, I'm still pretty new to this hugging thing. But I, I think I do it right, and uh, end with a little pat on the head. Not sure if that was the right thing to do, but she's just as awkward with the hugging. But she gives him a very meaningful hug. Well, I'm grabbing the bottle of wine, going into the kitchen, opening it, and uh, taking a nice big swig on my way back to the group and uh, handing it to the to Ziva. She just takes the bottle and takes a very big drink. There's a knock. Arabat goes and answers. Good to see you again. And you. May I come in? Of course. All friends are welcome here. So, everyone, may I introduce Shakir? Shakir will look around at the group once he's inside and uh, nod to all of them. Greetings. Can you make a wisdom save with advantage, please? I think I need to put a passive intimidate on my character sheet, eh? Yep. Uh, Luckily, the advantage happened. Uh, That's a 20. That's what you needed. That's a fucking dragon. Holy shit. He'll uh, look at Delilah and be like, you did not mention this. I said there was something weird about him when I met him. I'd only met him once. He's grown since. Apologies, I did not know we were expecting company. I would have put something else on entirely. At this point, Calder's head is, like when he stands upright, Calder's head is about 10 feet from the floorboards. And in total length, he's probably 15 feet. I think it's probably better to put the cards on the table with everything going on. She kind of wipes her eyes. Um, hi, Ziva. Ziva, I remember you. Um, okay. It's been a weird day since we got back. I'm so glad you remember me. I haven't met you before, though, right? And she looks at Shakir. Correct, miss. Uh, my name is Shakir. Shakir Asghari. Hi, I'm Ziva Hulu. And, um... That's all that I am now, I guess. <laughs> Zia, baby, you, no matter, no matter what, you're more than just Ziva. He's got the right of it. Also, don't say mean things about my friends around me. <laughs> I'm a little sad right now. If you guys had forgotten me, I don't know what I would do. Well, okay, I have some ideas of what I would do, but they would all be really bad. Yes. Like I said, not just Ziva. So, would everyone like to join us? 
Lysia says silverware is the only thing necessary. Oh no, we're gonna need more wine. Runelanders is recorded live. All the usual people played all of the usual parts, and you can find out all about who they are, who their characters are, and all the little Easter eggs I scatter throughout these episodes at runelanders.com. Like what you hear? Tell your friends. If not, tell us. We're at Cast the Runes on Twitter, runelanders at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook. You can even leave a comment directly on the site that'll about do it for this episode next time on moonlanders we're gonna have some wicked awesome fun you have to check it out we'll see you then i'm dm matt adam i'm dm good guy reminding you to roll high and don't die until next take good care As usual, Delilah, he's not in bed, and the sun is not even up. Like, this about now time of day is when you go to bed. He's had to go into bed abominably early for the last month or so. Now, granted, it hasn't been a complete waste of your time, but that's none of my business. The fact is that when you, like, as you roll around in bed, you, you roll over to see if, if he's actually gotten up, and he has. The, the sheets aren't even, aren't even warm. You crack an eye, and the, the, the sky is that dishwater color. winter the winter is here and it started and it's going to snow in the next couple of days and at some point in the next week or two all the leaves will be gone and it's going to get cold and it's going to be wearing sweaters time and you know your least favorite season the winter shitty cold gray muckiness down here in the bottom of Bailey Mina you close your eyes against it and Pull your feather tick up over your head and snuggle into the many pillows and soft mattress. It's one of those things. It's the morning. You're up. You know he's going to be up with coffee and a plate of breakfast in a few minutes. Because not only does he make you go to sleep abominably early, he makes you get up abominably early, too. You're not sure if it's human, but it surely isn't humane. So it is still comfortably dim in here. And now that Arabet's back, well, things definitely seem to be feeling better. You don't have to go to Lost Acre today. You could probably just spend more time and, you know, if he has no plans, 
Tiki takes off around two in the afternoon and you'd have the whole place to yourself. And so you ponder that for just a moment and a slow smile spreads across your face. And I need you to spend a sorcery point, please. Done. Oh, hi, Ben. I don't know if I'm doing this right. I don't know if you can hear me, but I'm scared, D. Help me, Delilah. I need you. They've got me at Swans, and I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't get out. They won't let me call you. They said that it cost so much that I'd never see the sun again tonight. And the scene cuts to a well-appointed room where a bear lady sits crumpled over, bent on her bed with her broad shoulders sobbing, having prayed for the first time in her life and hoping beyond hope that it works. Over to you, Delilah. It takes Delilah a few minutes to be able to move again. She didn't really, it never occurred to her that that would work either. And she drags herself out of bed and squeaks every board in the hallway, which is something she has never done before, and almost falls down the stairs. Shakir? Shakir, she's at Swans. (laughs) 